Well, many NBA fans would say it is a fantasy for the Sacramento Kings to not only hope, but expect to make the playoffs this year and avoid the NBA record for longest playoff drought. But when it comes to actual fantasy basketball, expert Josh Lloyd of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, he is one of the best experts out there. In fact, I would challenge anybody to top him and his expertise. And finally, we got him here on the Locked On Kings podcast. He is going to talk about the surprising fantasy value on this Sacramento Kings roster for all you fantasy NBA GMs out there. And he'll just share his overall opinions on this Sacramento Kings roster, their chance to make the playoffs, talk about De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Rashawn Holmes, and more on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member, Sacramento Kings media member for the last seven years. This will be my eighth season covering the Kings, formerly in sports radio, now in television at ABC 10 here in Sacramento. And I'm excited to have Josh Lloyd here of the Locked On Podcast Network and the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast on Locked On Kings for the first time. I actually recently just joined him on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast to preview the Sacramento Kings season. We had a great conversation there. So if you enjoy what we talked about today, you can get even more conversation, more of my opinion than Josh's opinion on his show, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, which I encourage you to listen to anyway, even when he doesn't talk about the Kings, especially, of course, if you play fantasy basketball. And I know fantasy football is king and maybe even fantasy baseball you'd put ahead of fantasy basketball. But fantasy basketball is growing quickly. It's very, very fun. Uh, I've played now, I think, four straight seasons. I've been terrible and I've resulted to trusting Josh more and more and I've gotten better every single year, but I'm still just not quite at, actually, I don't know if I'll ever be at the Josh Lloyd level, but maybe you have success in fantasy basketball. Maybe you're trying to get into fantasy basketball. Josh Lloyd is an excellent resource. Source. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing him. Uh, and also his basketball IQ is is way up there. Uh, he lives in Australia. He's Australian, uh, but follows the NBA better than most people in the United States. Stays up late or really, really early uh, to watch games. Follows the NBA very, very closely, including the Sacramento Kings. So I think you're going to enjoy a lot of the things that he has to say, even if it's from more of the brutally blunt, honest, pessimistic standpoint when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, which quite frankly is is the average standpoint outside of Sacramento, maybe even in Sacramento, right? A lot of us pessimistic about this team's ability to actually make the playoffs. I'm hopeful. I know many of you are as well, but whatever Josh Lloyd says, it can't be nearly as bad as the 
redraft of the 2017 NBA draft that Bleacher Report did. Did you see this? And I'm going to spend almost no time on this because I could rant and, and talk about this for 20 minutes and why it's super, super stupid, but I'd be giving it more time than it deserves. They've been doing like redrafts of every few years, every once in a while. And for the most part, uh, they're, they're, these are articles that are made to create debate, to create controversy, or to uh, f- be revisionist history, right? And to go back and trash a team for making a terrible draft decision or or blow everybody's mind as to how a player that good uh, went that late in the draft and where he would go if it was redrafted. And that's the purpose of this. It's meant to be all fun. But sometimes, like with this 2017 redraft, it just goes to show that basketball writers and those who watch the NBA from a national standpoint don't actually watch the NBA. They watch maybe the marquee games from the marquee teams that are already on, are always on national television. But when it comes to paying attention to talent, like you need to, to do a redraft that has any kind of credibility or or can be taken seriously, sometimes they drop the ball. And in this time they major drop the ball. In fact, I should say they, what a terrible pun here. They raised the ball with, no, because Lonzo Ball went number two overall in the 2017 NBA draft, if I'm not mistaken. So he did technically drop in the draft, but if you haven't seen it, I'll just tell you, De'Aaron Fox not only didn't go back to the Kings at number five, they had him at number six. As in the Kings, if it was redrafted, the Kings would take, I think it was John Collins ahead of De'Aaron Fox at number five. And that's not even the most egregious thing. Lonzo Ball, still ahead of De'Aaron Fox in a redraft, taken number four overall. On what planet, other than LeVar Ball's planet, does anybody think that Lonzo Ball is a better player than De'Aaron Fox? On what planet? It doesn't even matter what Fox did last season. I'm going to take last season out. Even if Fox was injured all of last season, he still would already be a better player than Lonzo Ball. He was a better player than Lonzo Ball coming into the NBA, and that's been made perfectly clear. Lonzo Ball was drafted on hype alone. Lonzo Ball was drafted on that Lakers, LeVar Ball, excitement, Magic Johnson connection, blah, 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 blah. That's why Lonzo Ball was selected higher than De'Aaron Fox. Because when you look in college, De'Aaron Fox absolutely abused Lonzo Ball in UCLA when Kentucky and UCLA played uh, in the the NCAA National Tournament. De'Aaron Fox has always been a better basketball player than Lonzo Ball. And he's proven or widened that gap with how he's played in the NBA, certainly last season. But still in this redraft, Lonzo Ball is going over De'Aaron. And even John Collins. Like I, I, I understand John played for a playoff team with the Atlanta Hawks, and he's an exciting big man. But John Collins is not on De'Aaron Fox's level. Now, I think Bam Adebayo was number three. Number one and number two were Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, which I have no issue with whatsoever. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I would personally take De'Aaron over Bam. That's just me personally, but I don't have as big of a problem with Bam being ahead of De'Aaron. Top three may be a little generous, but whatever. I understand Bam uh, played for a team that made the NBA Finals and is, is a very important piece there in Miami, and he's a great basketball player. So I can live with that. And I'm not saying that Lonzo Ball isn't a great basketball player. He is, and I think he's going to be really, really good in Chicago. But let's not pretend ourselves and say that Lonzo Ball is on De'Aaron Fox's level. Please stop with that nonsense. That's absolute garbage. That's the only time I'm going to spend on this. Don't even waste your time clicking on this article. All you have to see is some of the tweets about it and what the order was on social media. You can tweet about it angrily and then just move on with your life. That's honestly the best thing for you to do.
Other than, of course, pay attention to my conversation with Josh Lloyd here coming up in just a second. Uh, his insight on the Sacramento Kings from both a fantasy perspective and just a national basketball perspective. I think you're really going to enjoy. Before that, though, want to let you know that today's episode of the Locked On P- Kings podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. You have another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get all of your TV together in one place. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract, which, look, I've been, I cut the cord on TV for a long time. Direct TV stream is the first time I've had anything direct TV since, honestly, I was like in high school. It's been that long. But the best part of direct TV stream, like I said, is that no annual contract. You can cancel any time and it makes it easier than having all these different television apps uh, that, that you might have at home. Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Every single year I take my shot at NBA fantasy basketball and every single year I come up short. Maybe it's because I don't follow the advice of my guest here enough. Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fa- Fantasy Basketball podcast, also one of the hosts of the uh, the Locked On NBA podcast, does fantastic work uh, in fantasy for Basketball Monster, also for uh, Yahoo Sports Australia. Josh is one of the, uh, the biggest stars and brightest minds on this Locked On podcast network and it's about damn time that I got him here on Locked on Kings. But Josh, I do have a, a, a bone to pick with you at the start here. You couldn't okay. have you couldn't have replaced the uh, the Devin Booker Lego in the background with a, a De'Aaron Fox Lego, huh? You couldn't have done that for us? I, I do have some new ones coming. I don't think I've got a Fox one coming, but if I had have had it, I would have, uh, I would have put it up there for you. But I, I, don't, I don't have a De'Aaron Fox one. But I did. I changed the hats over. I got my Sacramento hats here on the screen. So, how much did someone have to pay you to to take those Sacramento hats, or, or did you uh, did you spend money on Sacramento Kings apparel? Because if you did, no. you're you're a better man. I uh, I willingly purchased these Sacramento Kings. They're, they're great. I love these hats. They're awesome. Wow. Well, I, I guess we can forgive the uh, the the disrespect of no De'Aaron Fox Lego in the background. It's not as bad as the disrespect that we saw out of Bleacher Report earlier today. Josh, I, I don't know if you saw this, but Bleacher Report did a redraft of the 2017 draft. And not only did they not have De'Aaron Fox go into the Kings at five, they had him drop a spot to six with both Josh Collins and Lonzo Ball, as well as Bam Adebayo, but that one's not too egregious. Josh uh, Collins and Lonzo Ball both ahead of De'Aaron Fox in that redress. So let's start there. Help me make that make any sense. Well, this is the first time I'm, I'm hearing of this. I'm just I'm just looking it up now. That uh, doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me. Um, it, it is a tough draft. There is some obviously really good players there, but yeah, uh, they've got yeah, Johnny Collins at number five. That's uh, Alonzo Ball at, at four. Let's have a look. Bam at three. Yeah, fair enough. Mitchell. Yep. All right. And Tatum. Fair, fair enough. Um, But yeah, I no. Yeah, I, I would have Fox over. I, I like Alonzo a lot, but I would uh, have Fox over him at this point. I'd have him over John Collins as well. Was he going at six? Yeah, that, that seems, uh, it doesn't seem right to me. 
We're, of course, going to get into uh, your thoughts on the Sacramento Kings team and some of the players on this team from both a fantasy standpoint and then just with your general basketball knowledge. But, you, you know, what's funny is I've had a lot of conversations about that 2017 draft. And, of course, it's generally considered a, a positive night for the Sacramento Kings. Landing De'Aaron Fox, really getting lucky to move up to five uh, to get De'Aaron Fox, no matter what they did in the 2018 draft, getting even more luckily, lucky the year later. But at least that was a positive draft. But at the same time, too, I have a lot of regrets with that night because the Kings also had the 10th pick and could have come away with Donovan Mitchell in that draft as well. And they ended up trading 10 for, I can't remember what picks they were, but it turned into like Justin Jackson and Scalabissier, I think. It was 15 and 20 that they got back um, in that one uh, where they traded with the Blazers. Yeah, where Blazers moved up to 10 to 2, screw it up and take Zach Collins as well. Yep. (laughs) just so just a a rough night well I mean you look at the whole draft history and De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are the brightest spots I wanted to get your opinion on what Tyrese Halliburton did because if I remember correctly listening uh, to our our locked on NBA draft show that we did last year you weren't too high on Tyrese Halliburton I wasn't as high on him either I also didn't expect him to be there uh, for the Kings falling all the way to 12 Uh, but your thoughts now on Tyrese from a, a non-biased like out of Sacramento perspective because we're really high on him we think he can be really good but I think in Sacramento there's almost too much value being placed on him after just one solid season from memory if I go back to thinking about what I thought at the draft there I, I thought that he was being overvalued heading in because people thought that he could be like the De'Aaron Fox a guy that can take on the high usage and run an offense and be this number one defender and I said I don't think he can do that I, th- I believe in my last mock draft before the draft, I had him going at 12 to the Kings. So I said, this is the perfect situation because he plays off ball, secondary creator next to De'Aaron Fox. I thought it would have worked well for him in Phoenix as well, doing that off of Devin Booker too. That would have been a great spot for him there at number number 10. Um, but you know, people were saying, oh, he, he should go to Detroit to be their point guard or go to the Knicks at number eight to be their point guard. You don't want him to be that number one handles the ball the entire time and you know, to a high, he's not a high usage player. He's not a high volume guy. He's not that guy, but he's unbelievably brilliant fitting in next to one of those players. And I think that's what we've seen there in Sacramento. If he went to one of those other situations and had to be that number one guy, I don't think it would have gone as well because the efficiency wouldn't have held up. You would have seen his limitations in getting to the rim attacking some of his defensive limitations of being if he has to be a number one guy on that end where he can still be really good doing what he does, but he's the perfect number two, number three on both ends of the court and fitting with Fox. Yeah, I said that on draft night. As much as I thought that he was being overvalued by some, the position he went to was absolutely perfect and he was going to thrive in that spot. And that's that's what he did, but it is so context dependent. So I imagine when there is a redraft done, at least at this point in time, if there were to be a redraft done, Tyrese would move all the way up to, I imagine top three, maybe top four at at, at the absolute worst. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but had he gone to Detroit, kind of building off what you said, or had he gone to New York to be their point guard and the Knicks had an, uh, an excellent season, I think he could have been somewhat good there. But are we talking about Tyrese Halliburton and are we hearing the praise lumped on Tyrese Halliburton in the same way that we're hearing it, not just in Sacramento, but league wide? I mean, a lot of praise for Tyrese Halliburton after his rookie season. No, I don't think so because one of the big drawbacks, and you can speak on this as a Kings guy, is that his um, his handle is not particularly tight. Like he doesn't have the best you know, handle to have the ball in his hands that much. And if he was forced into that role, it might not have looked so great. Now, I I think I agree that he – I did a redraft. I'm pretty sure I had him at number three because 
if he had have gone to Charlotte, then he could have done that off ball next to Rogier and next to Devontae Graham as well. So it would have been a really solid situation there as well, where he wouldn't have been forced into that number one position. He could have played off of Rogier and Graham in that scenario as, as a three guard rotation there, and it would have worked pretty well. But again, I, I just think that lack of lack of dribbling um, ability would really hamper him if he has to be that number one player full time. When I've appeared with you on both Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball, we've talked about questionable rotations, and we've done it with both of the last uh, Kings coaches, both Luke Walton, and we had a lot of conversations about Dave Yeager and his rotations, I remember, uh, a number of seasons ago. But I wasn't as upset with Walton's rotations this year as some Kings fans were, except for the unwillingness of Walton to commit to Tyrese Halliburton as that starting two guard. That is a problem that needs to be gone completely, in my opinion, at the start of this year, regardless of if Buddy Heald is on the team or not. And for some reason, Josh, it, it felt like some deal was worked out behind the scenes between the Kings or Luke Walton and Buddy Heald because he was benched for significantly less the year before than he was for last year. And as soon as uh, Tyrese Halliburton was able to come into the starting lineup. He did because of, uh, I think it was an injury to either, I think it was an injury to uh, Buddy Heald for a game or something like that. And then as soon as Buddy Heald came back, Tyrese was right back out of the starting lineup. That just made no sense to me. It didn't make sense to me either because we saw Heald play that 25, 26 minute a night bench role. And Matt, you probably agree. He was better in that role. Like give him those limited minutes and he was hyper efficient. I thought he was really good in that bench role. But of course, you know, his ego wouldn't allow him to do that. The Kings think that if we run him out there for 34 minutes a night, that other teams are going to go, wow, look how good Buddy Heald is. We definitely want to take that contract on. Whereas I don't think that's necessarily how that works. And I agree. You know, you would have, I would have been in you know, the 34 versus 30 minutes to Heald Halliburton should be a lot closer to even versus, you know, Halliburton playing more than Heald. And again, Heald's role, look, just go and do your damage in 25, 26 minutes. That is the perfect thing, but it did seem a little bit strange to have benched him for that to have worked so well for both Heald and for the team. And then to go back and go, no, nah, we're going to go back and do what hasn't worked for so long in the past. Luke Walton's been consistently stubborn in, in his two seasons with the Sacramento Kings um, with what he wants from Buddy Heald. And to some extent, I understand asking more than just uh, elite shooting out of Buddy after he got the contract that he got. He's now in year two of that contract for $22 million after being paid $24 plus incentives uh, last season. But at what point is it picking the wrong hill to die on, Josh, when you're trying to get more ball handling, more facilitating, more defense out of Buddy instead of just maximizing his elite skill like, quite frankly, Dave Yeager was able to do even if Yeager and Buddy didn't see eye to eye? Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why when you've got someone that can do those things, that can give you that extra ball handling, but you try and force in. It's like a, you know, the, the old round peg into a square hole or vice versa type scenario. You've got the other option there that can already do it. And then it can take that to a new level rather than trying to make Buddy and say old dog, new tricks. Like you know, we know about the issues with Buddy Hield and his age. Maybe that's, well, I don't know why you're doing it. I don't know why you're forcing it unless there is a management discussion like you have to play this guy this amount and otherwise we'll create all this fuss and you guys you know this will help you can get out of here and that's what these backroom dealings and discussions are because it didn't make a huge amount of sense to try and do something that he, that he can't do when there's another option there that can clearly do it we talked about the Tyrese Halliburton draft and the Kings are hoping that they hit two home runs in a row in the draft by taking 
uh, Davion Mitchell. And my initial reaction to the Kings drafting Davion Mitchell was not positive. I think you felt for the most part the same way. It was confusing, especially with the Kings already having their best two players, arguably being their starting backcourt in Fox and Halliburton going forward. But the more I thought about it, the more I understood that where, where he doesn't necessarily fill a positional need, Davion Mitchell provides a lot of things or the Kings hope he can provide a lot of things that this team has been lacking, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I wanted to get your overall thoughts on that pick now that it's settled down a little bit and we have somewhat of an idea of how he's going to play with the Kings, even if we don't know what his spot in the rotation is going to look like yet. Yeah, you're right, Matt. I, I didn't like it at all at the time. I had him going somewhere in the 20s in the in my uh, evaluation of the draft, um, and I couldn't have thought of a worse spot really for him to go in that top 10 than Sacramento because yeah, he, again, he plays the same position as those guys. Now, my issue with him is age. Obviously, players of that age that get picked in the top 10, they, it just it just generally doesn't work out. Like It just doesn't happen that these players turn into anything more than rotation players at best. All right, so that, that's that part. There's the positional duplication, which I can understand. Yeah, it's a third guard, but that really caps what he can do long-term. And then my other issue is like, he's small. This, you know, you're basing your defensive ability, but having no size means you're limited in what you can guard. And I know he can go out there and he can pressure up on guys, and maybe that works. It had some success at Summer League. But at Summer League, we're not talking about you going up and doing that to six foot seven LaMelo ball or when LeBron's carrying the ball up or, or you know, six foot six Cade Cunningham or any of these guys. Like, that's not the same. These guys have got such big size advantages. Plus the shooting issue, which we saw him shoot threes well for one season in Baylor and still can't hit free throws. Like I'm not putting much stock in him being a a plus three point shooter. So while the defensive pressure is good and the Kings need that, I I just, I question the wisdom of taking an old player at that size with those shooting questions with your positional duplication. If I've got four no's right there, it, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. I believe, and I don't want to speak for you, but I believe I saw whether it was you reacting to a comment. You just did a, I joined you on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We did a Sacramento Kings season preview, and I think you responded to a comment sharing that you don't believe the Kings are going to make the playoffs uh, this season. And I shared with you at the end of the show that if the Kings don't make the playoffs, I think heads will roll, especially uh, Luke Walton's head, even if he got committed or or the Kings committed to him for another year. I don't know if it'll be super drastic as to Monty McNair potentially losing his job. I know there's a lot of heat on Sacramento Kings ownership and the patience in Sacramento is all but tapped. Um, In your mind, if, if that is accurate, what is it about this Kings team that you still don't trust to make the playoffs? And I know that could be a long list. And is that the playoffs themselves as in the actual like, seven game series rounds or does that include the play in that you can't see this Kings team making? I haven't gone through and done my final playoff projections or, you know, get, uh, yeah, over unders and, and games one and all that sort of stuff. I'm pretty sure that was just more of a, an offhand thought, but now I'm trying to look at it now. So I'm looking at last year's playoffs. Um, hard to see yeah, the, the eight teams who made it, hard to see any of them falling off significantly, right? You got the Warriors in there at ninth. You know, the Spurs, I'll count them out. That's fine. They, they were 10th. They can be counted out. I think that the Pelicans, the Wolves, and the Kings will all push into that 10th spot type area. I, I think they can actually make a push for that play-in area, the 9 or 10 seed. I don't think they get into the 8, but, you know, I'd have them clearly ahead of the Thunder, the Rockets, and the Spurs, and probably the Pelicans. And I think it'll be them and the Wolves who are sort of battling for that 9-10 type area for this upcoming season. But the top nine from last season, Utah, Phoenix, Denver, Clippers, Mavericks, Blazers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Warriors, hard for me to look at those and go, well, the Kings are clearly better than 
two of those teams to lock themselves into a playoff spot. I think my hope in that is that I look at the Kings, I compare them to the Grizzlies, and I compare the rosters, and Mm -hmm. this could be kind of the Sacramento perspective, the Sacramento bias. I like the Kings roster better than the Grizzlies roster when you're looking at individual talent. The problem is, though, the Grizzlies have shown that that group knows how to win together, at least at a high enough rate to to make the playoffs and make the run that they did versus as much talent as the Sacramento Kings have. They haven't been able to put it together effectively uh, to win enough basketball games. So I do believe that the Kings and Grizzlies could be more on an even playing field than some people think. I just had a discussion recently with Sean Coleman talking about De'Aaron Fox versus John Morant. So I wanted to get your opinion on that out of the two players, De'Aaron Fox or John Morant. Who would you take, not necessarily to start your franchise with, but who would you take right now? And do you agree that the Kings and Grizzlies are at least close to an even playing field? Or do you think the Grizzlies are are significantly, well, maybe not significantly, but on another level than Sacramento? I get what you're saying about the rosters, and I, I see that. I think there are a few guys in the Grizzlies that are tremendously underrated. Kyle mm-hmm. Anderson being one of those guys. Um uh, yeah, this year for them, it might be a little bit different having Steven Adams instead of Valanciunas, but yeah, a guy like D'Anthony Melton who comes off the bench and produces, just produces winning plays consistently. Um, the also big difference there is, you know, who's coaching those two teams. Like there, there's a, there's a pretty, pretty stark difference. I think there between Taylor Jenkins and Luke Walton. And perhaps that's the difference if the rosters are equivalent as to where they sit. Um, in terms of Ja Moran or Darren Fox, if I'm looking at like now, I think Ja Moran gets, I don't know if the right. I think he gets overhyped, to be honest. I think he's going to be really good. I think he is really good for what he is, but he gets talked about like he's a top five point guard in the NBA, which he isn't. Like he, he's not. He has some deficiencies in his game. He steps up, but he can be really inconsistent. And down the stretch of last season, he had some real struggles for multiple games in a row. I would pretty clearly at this point take De'Aaron Fox for the next probably two years. If you're talking five years down the track, I still, I probably would lean Jar, but I, I do think for now, Fox is the superior player. Yeah, everybody's talking about John Murray, and rightfully so with the, the performances that he had in the play and averaged 30 sure. points for the postseason. He was fantastic. My argument here in Sacramento, and it's a tough argument to make because it hasn't happened yet, but it's almost once De'Aaron Fox gets that stage, it's a, I should say if, I guess, in Sacramento, but I'm going to hit the homer bias hard and say once De'Aaron Fox gets that stage, I think he's going to turn a lot of heads. Now he gained a lot of attention with some of his performances last season showing that, okay, I can be the guy, I can be the leader, I can score 30 or even 40 points when needed. And when he did that, the Kings were a successful basketball team. But I've stand, uh, I've stood by this for years. If De'Aaron Fox played in a bigger market like a Los Angeles or a Chicago or a Miami, not even like a, a major successful market, but on a, a similar team to the Kings in terms of skill, but in a bigger market, he'd be a lot more of a household name than he is right now. And I think once he gets that stage like John Morant got last season to prove it, he will show why, in my opinion, he is better than John. Yeah, I can see that being the case. Like you mentioned Chicago. Like if he was in Chicago, would he get the same plaudits and all-star nods that Zach Levine got last season? Probably. Like I, I think that's that's a distinct possibility. I think he's really good. And he, and he did actually really turn it on towards the end of last season as well before that uh, COVID situation. He was playing at an even higher level than he had in the past. I'm pretty excited to see what he can do for this upcoming season. The Lockdown Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars on the planet. Built Bar, uh, delicious, covered in 100% chocolate. They basically taste like candy bars. You know, uh, I've said that many times before, but I want to make sure you understand how healthy these bars are for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from only 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. And these are protein-based products that don't taste like it. 
Like how many times have you had a protein bar in the past or even a protein shake that says, oh, it's chocolate or it's vanilla or it's this flavor profile, but you more just taste the supplement and the protein powder and everything in it more than you taste what the, 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 uh, flavor is supposed to be. That's not the case with Built Bar. And trust me, I'm a picky eater. So if I'm saying that, you know it's true. Uh, Mint Brownie is my favorite bar, but they have other flavors like salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and so many more. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever at BetOnline. All eyes are on the gridiron. Teams are back to start another NFL football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. And it helps you kill some time before the start of the NBA season. But don't worry, there are already NBA future bets. You can bet on the Kings over under win total, whether or not the Kings will make the playoffs. You can bet on which team is going to win the NBA Finals, MVP, and all that right now at BetOnline. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus by using promo code Locked On. That's double your initial rep- uh, deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use promo code NFL100 as well. From football to basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk fantasy a little bit, Mr. Fantasy Expert. And I'm actually intrigued by this because I thought it was going to be mostly a short fantasy conversation at the end because I didn't think there were going to be too many players on the Sacramento roster worth giving a damn from a fantasy perspective. But you shared with me before we started recording, the Kings have five players, did you say, in the top 100? So there's actually a a good amount of talent to look at if you're a, a fantasy general manager this year in Sacramento. Yeah, I think they've got, it falls off after that. They've got five guys who I think should be top 100 players and then they don't have anyone else who I don't think is a, is a top 200 guy, to be honest. Like that's that's a big drop off. But yeah, there's yeah, Rashawn Holmes is a, is a massive like underrated fantasy guy and continues to be yeah, ranked way too low on, on sites a lot of the time. He's a great option. Like he was a top 50 player last season for fantasy. Um, Darren Fox, I think, you know, in certain leagues will be like a top 20 option in those. In other ones, some of his you know, shooting issues, especially from the free throw line, can hold him back. But they're, they're two top 50 guys right off the bat. And if Tyrese Halliburton joined them in the top 50, I don't think that's going to be too much of a surprise either. In just 30 minutes last year, he ranked 72nd. You know, give him an extra two to three minutes, but top 50 is a possibility there. So three really, really solid options who, again, they always, because maybe it's a Sacramento factor, I think it might be, they get underrated. They get underranked. They get underdrafted in a lot of spots. And I think they've all got real big chances to be able to beat those numbers you know, when we get to the end of the year. De'Aaron Fox, you said potential to be a top 20 player. What is the absolute highest if you were if we're talking Kings fans who are preparing for a fantasy draft who want to make sure they have De'Aaron Fox in their roster and aren't afraid to stretch a little bit to make sure he is on their roster? What's the absolute highest that you would go within reason before saying you're a psychopath, you're taking him way too high? It really depends. So if you're playing in a fantasy points league, if you took him at the end of the first round, like 12 to 15, sort of beginning of the second, I don't think that's anything wrong with that whatsoever. I think that's the right area for him in a a points league format, right? In that you could take him at 10 and I would say maybe, but I, I don't have a problem with that. In a category league, I think, yeah, you're worried about his free throw percentage. Um, you're worried about his low volume of threes a little bit. But if you took him at, say, if you took him at 20 in a category league, I'd say that's probably too high. If you took him at 30, I think that that's totally totally fine for what he for what he's able to do. I think that's probably that thirty to forty range is is fine in a category sort of format. 
Is there a steal on this roster? You kind of mentioned Tyrese Halliburton and Rashawn Holmes a little bit, maybe go into more detail in your mind. There, like a, a steal player on this roster that might slide under the radar for other general managers in their draft that, that Kings fans might be able to swoop up and maximize their knowledge of that player. I think it's I think it's Holmes in general. Um, it depends again where you're drafting. If you're over on ESPN, he's ranked at 86, which is insanity, right? He was 48th last season, and I think he's going to play more than the 30 or 29 minutes that he played a game last year. We talked about that when you're on my show. He's probably going to get more than that. So yeah, he beats that number pretty easily. I think on Yahoo they have recently adjusted his rank to put him at 42, which is it's it's all right. I, I don't think it's it's not outrageously high. But people still won't really necessarily buy into him being that high. And you'll find him, if you find him outside the top 60, you grab him in every sort of situation because he's so high with his field goal percentage. He's got free throws. He blocks shots. He grabs rebounds. He scores. He does all these little things. And it does fly under the radar pretty significantly. Um, If you're fine, if you're there outside that top 55 and Holmes is on the board, it's very hard for me to see that being a fail of a pick. Buddy Yield is a one-trick pony, and sometimes one-trick ponies can be very effective in fantasy. Uh, where do you have Buddy Yield in terms of uh, your rankings and where uh, fans and just uh, general managers should keep their eye on on taking him in the draft? I think he's in that 75 to 90 sort of a range in that area. Um, you're right. Like his value comes from hitting a ton of threes, but that also helps him score. So his, his points category goes up pretty well as well. So that's nice there. The problem that we had with Heald last year, Matt, which you'd be well aware, like he hit his threes well. The problem is that no other shots went in. Like he couldn't do anything from two point range. I think his two point range, his two point percentage was less than his three point percentage from memory. If not, it was really close. Couldn't finish, couldn't hit mid ranges, couldn't do anything from two-point range. And that brought his overall field goal percentage down. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get to the line at all. But the scoring's good. The three-pointers are really, really good. And yeah, that puts him in that, yes, 75 to 90 sort of area. The problem I think that I would have with drafting Buddy Heald is just I worry that if he does get traded and then moves to a 25-minute role on another team, then yeah, you're losing you know, maybe 20, 25 spots of value just from you know, having six or seven minutes chopped off your, your uh, per-game numbers. And we'll wrap up with this. We've had a conversation. It was years ago before. I think it was his first full season with the Sacramento Kings. But as important as Harrison Barnes is to the Sacramento Kings roster, historically, fantasy-wise, he's not the most valuable player because he doesn't do a whole lot statistically in other categories. He did have his best start of the season last year in terms of a score and is capable of providing those 20-point nights every once in a while. But overall, you're not usually going to get a big rebound, big assist, big steal night out of Harrison Barnes, even if he's considered one of the better defenders on this Kings team. Yeah, but he, he did have, it was his best fantasy season ever last season. He got inside the top 75, mainly because he played the most minutes he's ever played. That 36 minutes really helped, but he was able to get career high in rebounds. I believe career high in assists by a significant margin as well. And yeah, that, it might seem like nothing, but going from two assists to three and a half assists is huge. Like it's a gigantic increase on what you were doing and going from under five rebounds to six, over six and a half rebounds. It's a big deal. Like that's like a you know, quick maths on the top of my head, like a 33% increase on where you were. And while those the, the actual volume number is really small, five to six and a half, anytime you increase by 33% on what you're doing, it's massive. So adding that, you're getting your assists almost, you know, not quite double, but a big boost there, scoring and then playing two extra minutes per game. That, that made him a top 75 player. I'm not sure he's going to be that this year. But no reason he can't be another top 100 guy again. And you're right, he's, he's really boring in just in terms of there's nothing that stands out. It's just, uh, let's just be average in every single area, which is basically what he did last year. But it means there's very hard for that to fail and it's hard for it to really improve. But it's just, I know what I'm going to get. This is what he's going to do. 
He's you know, anchored my team towards the back end of a draft, and I'm happy. I think he can get back in the top 100 again this year. Even though his skill set is not as sexy as Buddy Heald's elite shooting, where is he at? Is he ahead of Buddy Heald in your mind for, for fantasy owners, or is he slightly behind? Where would you judge the two in comparison? I, I'd probably take Heald ahead of Barnes, just because I, I don't expect Barnes to play 36 minutes a night again. Maybe he does, and that would probably push him ahead of Heald. Uh, I'd probably take Heald you know, marginally ahead of Barnes in that area because there is there's probably a little bit more upside in Heald if he can bring yeah if he because there was that one year where he had like 1.6 steals per game. If he can get that back, then you know you're laughing and his numbers jump up. So I'd probably take Buddy marginally ahead. Well, Josh, I appreciate you taking the time here to come on Locked on Kings. We'll definitely have to do it again. Hopefully, we're talking about a good basketball team instead of a team that has the potential to be good for the 15th straight god dang year. Uh, but before I let you go, uh, you mentioned your, you have a, like the, the win total over-unders, your, your playoff predictions, things like that. What is coming to the Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast for people to check out? Uh, well, I just released a show today on sleepers across Yahoo and ESPN. So you want to see that? There's also a quick reaction video on the John Wall um, out of Houston type situation and what that means for the Rockets guys. And then tomorrow we're doing a mock draft. So you can join us as we go through and uh, and, uh, and do a mock draft over on Yahoo uh, and, and talk through all the decisions that we make. Josh Lloyd, you are an expert, my man. And if uh, fantasy listeners and fantasy owners are listening to this and if your uh, your tips and tricks work for them, great. If not, you can blame me. I, I will totally accept the blame. Thanks, my guy. It was a blast having Josh Lloyd on. It's been a long time coming. I hope you enjoyed that. I really encourage you to listen to Josh Lloyd and the great content that he provides, even though it's locked on fantasy basketball and it does have, for the most part, uh, a fantasy perspective. It's really a national NBA show. And it's, it's up there to the equivalent of Locked on NBA and the other great national NBA podcasts that you can get out there. In fact, it might be at the very, very top. Josh does such a great job. It's always a pleasure for me to be able to join him. And now uh, hopefully he enjoyed coming on Locked on Kings and being able to spend a little bit more time sharing his thought on the Kings team that honestly he doesn't normally talk too much about because from a national perspective, who really talks about the Kings that much, right? But hopefully that'll change this year when the Kings make the playoffs, not if when the Kings make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to that hope as strong as I possibly can before these uh, these games start. And training camp is about to start. Uh, the Well, not about to start, but it's coming. Preseason basketball is around like 20 days away or something like that, which is crazy to think about. It's coming quick and make sure for the remainder of the offseason and, of course, all uh, preseason training camp, all regular season long, uh, you are listening to the Lockdown Kings podcast to get all your Kings news, uh, talk, and entertainment. Uh, I'm looking forward to having more guests uh, coming up here on the Lockdown Kings podcast, more great content. Content. I want to do in-depth looks at uh, Kings playoff series. It's been a while since the Kings have made the playoffs, obviously, but back in the uh, early '90s and late two or late '90s, early 2000s. Sorry, uh, the Kings were in a fair share of very, very entertaining uh, playoff series. So I want to do deep dives into those. And I've had a lot of people on social media say they want me to do the 1999 series against the Utah Jazz that really put the Kings on the map. So I think I'm going to do that. But if there are other Kings playoff series that you want me to do an in-depth look on. Let me know. I absolutely will do that. And if you're thinking right now, do the 2002 Kings and Lakers Western Conference Finals. I did a whole three-part audio documentary on that that you can check out. Just scroll down a few episodes and you'll find it. I just reposted those recently. 
for you to listen to. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you back with me on the next Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, oh, also, I want to make sure you know, I'm going to be giving away a copy of NBA 2K22 in the near future. So make sure you're tuning in to find out how you can uh, enter with your chance to win NBA 2K22 on whatever platform you happen to play. I appreciate you listening. Have you join me next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.